This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, well, we were joined by Kevin Day, comedian, yes. podcaster, friend of the show and Palace fan, and we looked at some of the big stories from the Premier League this weekend. We gave you a flavour of that chat. Uh, another day, John Day joined us, the author of uh, Homing. Uh, it's a book about pigeon racing in parts, mm. and uh, it's it's dwindling, the interest in it as a sport, and we looked at some of the reasons why, some more obvious than others. We had some classic clips. They were good. Uh, from 2009. You took us to an Italian restaurant for why mains not? and dessert. <laughs> And uh, Todd Campwell told us what he was, well, indirectly, told us what he was scared of. Just some of the things you can hear in today's podcast. Five minutes past one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. I just did two big sneezes before the show, while well, the show yeah. intro. Of course, now I sound like Melvin Bragg. Yes, it's tremendous, isn't it? Quite spectacular. <laughs> Andy is the king of uh, the unexpected sneeze, as some poor woman at Waterloo Station <laughs> found many years ago. Thankfully, before the pandemic, you might have been, a, you might have been arrested I've for doing that these days. Point, now, champions of the world. Well, can I say what an important trophy the Club World Cup? Well, is. it is. <laughs> Well, it is, Andy. Well, it is. It, I mean, it's probably a bit more there, important to Palmeiras than it is to you, I would imagine, well, I think, looking at their look, crowd. Yeah, looking at that, that's true. But looking at the way they sort of treated the game, I think it was important. because it's hmm. it's a shop window for the Palmeiras players. And uh, Weverton playing in Goa, I just hope he replaces Jordan Pickford. Yeah. It'd be perfect, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be good, yeah. Be, be <laughs> and, good uh, and Scarpa, I'm sure he'll be off soon. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What do you make a do do? That's well, not a personal yeah. question. Yeah. And, uh, and look, there were only there was only one team that wanted to win the game, and that was Chelsea. Yeah, they were very negative, weren't they? Oh, yeah. So that's something about Portuguese managers, isn't it? I mean, that's just... to me about Portuguese managers after yesterday. Not the team to give <laughs> one nil. Not to give a two goal start. Not to, to basically throw two into your net against. No, that's not a great idea. Wolves very good uh, defensively in a way that Tottenham aren't, of course. 
Yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Um, so, yeah. uh, what I was going to say to you, um, yeah. it'll come back to you. So, were you, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about being the champions? We'll never sing that, champions of the world. Only yeah, Liverpool look, got I, th- the I think the, thing, the point people made is that to get there, you've got to finish high enough in the league to get into the Champions mm. League, which Frank Lampard did. Then you've got to win the Champions League, which, which Tuchel and, and Lampard together won. Yeah. And then that gets you into that game and so you know you wouldn't be in that game unless you'd done reasonably well yeah so from that point of view it's good but obviously you know, is, it, is we- it just the club world cup it's not sponsored by anybody is it it's it's fifa right? it I just struck me because we're going to be talking shortly to rupert bell mm. uh, it's like reject we're going to be having a good sort of deep dive into the premier league weekend all games covered with kevin day from two o'clock when he's joined us before that andy brass was going to mm. join us at half one and We'll take a look at the Champions League returning and some of the big stories of the weekend, including Bayern getting a bit of a shoe in. It's not often you can say that, um, and we'll be doing all that. But we're going to kick off chatting to Rupert Bell about, amongst other things, the rowdiest hole in golf. Mm. And uh, it's in um, Scottsdale. It was the Phoenix Open that took place this weekend. You may have seen some pictures of it, and it's it, you know it's not the RNA, put it that way. Um, and we'll go into that later on. But it, it was the Phoenix Open. It wasn't just the Phoenix Open. It was the Waste Management with Phoenix Maybe Open. that's why they do that. They want to create a lot of waste. That's it. Could be. They basically throw <laughs> bottles and tins. It's like a huge amphitheatre yeah. on the 16th, par 3 16th. And they got a hole in one the other day and the crowd went mad and they were throwing all sorts. Even the player got the hole in one whose name escapes me. It'll come back to me. Got, got whacked on the back of the head with one. I mean, um, but they do create... Well, I was just thinking it was more really the, the whole... The, the magic of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. It does take <laughs> some of the shine off of it, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, no disrespect to the people in the Waste Management. In, yeah. I want Tony Soprano coming after <laughs> me. But, um, yeah, yeah, we just wondered if, if you've played in or if you've played for... Um, a beautifully named trophy over the years, or if not a trophy, then a competition. I'd say the Waste Management Phoenix mm. Open is up there. So um, some of those less than romantically named tournaments you've been involved in, do let us know. Talksport.com, text 81089 or tweet to TSHNJ. And of course, the Jewish Sunday morning footballers have long enjoyed the Cyril Annexteen Cup. The magic of the Cyril <laughs> Annexteen Cup. Yeah, that's right. So that's ideally thing. if we can say the magic of the, yeah. and then you can tell us about the tournament or the trophy and we'll look for the best of those this afternoon as we say talksport.com text 81089 tweet TS and J now everybody was sort of wanted to try and work in a sort of cat reference to uh, West Ham and uh, the game against Leicester and yes this one in the match report though is really stretching it uh, before his departure Zuma had warmed up under a giant picture of Fox's eyes often mistaken for a cat oh yeah <laughs> at the King that. Power Stadium that's never happened nobody's no. ever gone to the King Power Stadium seen this thing of a fox at home of the foxes and gone do you know what that looks really like a cat doesn't it I was coming back from uh, that incredibly enjoyable <laughs> afternoon having uh, w- watched this get gubbed and then walking back in the pouring rain back to the car I got in the car and was listening to uh, all the build up uh, of the I was listening to Perry and yeah, yeah. Uh, and the guys and uh, Jeff Peters came on the preview Leicester against West Ham and then he, he broke the news that um, that Zuma wasn't going to play and yeah. so you th- he was taken ill and of course I mean we all thought he's got a furball yeah. Did he, st- <laughs> did he start walking backwards? Just you know that thing they do when they walk backwards. Just starting to walk backwards. Yeah, and start- <laughs> Was he doing that on the pitch? <laughs> not quite sure. It's no. not good. Now, but, Andy, yeah. the kids. We all love the kids, don't well, we, Andy? Generation Z. Generation Z. Tell us what they do. Well, I know this from my son, and also mm-hmm. though he's not Gen Z, he's very trendy. All right. In that, basically, he said to me. 
when I listen to your podcast, which I love, I listen to it at one and a half or double speed. Right. And this is apparently a really common thing because basically they just don't feel they've got enough time. Wow. To, to, so, you know, it, this woman was right. She said, my friend. about half an hour. I mean, you've got, you've got half an hour listening to his dad every day. I know. Same as having to talk to you on the phone, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I think that's right. My friends are just as bad as me, said the writer. Uh, we send voice notes to each other because yeah. it's quicker than texting. We don't even bother to listen to the whole oh. recording. Our attention spans are shot to pieces. Yeah. It's not hard to work out why we grew up with the instant gratification and distraction of social media. So this is what this is what they like, like TikTok and uh, Snapchat yeah. and everything. You know, instant gratification. Instant gratification goes very, very quickly. You don't yeah. have to spend too much time. So there you go. Well, we thought, what would it be like on this show if we could just bring that to you? So we, we thought we would... Well, we were always after attracting the younger audience. Oh, of course. Well, we've got the intro. That's so really let, great. Let's hear it as the kids hear it. I can see the appeal. <laughs> I, I can see why yeah, it got out of the way quickly. We've never it? sounded better. Well, I mean, we could do a whole three-hour show <laughs> in an hour. We'd be home. Yeah, we'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, half past two, be fantastic. For everybody, I'm sure. I don't um, feel that's going to work, really. No, I'm not sure it's going to take off. Well, Alan does call us Pinky and Perky, isn't he, Alan? <laughs> he's right, so yeah. he's finally got his wish to see what it actually sounds like. A bit like. One that. for the kids. <laughs> okay, uh, we get the idea with that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Deep fried pasties are wowing customers. Yeah, Charlie was horrified by yeah. this, Charlie Baker, of course. But have shocked some locals. I think the only thing that would be shocking would be the defibrillator you need to eat that. You would think so. Um, yes. Um, Todd Campwell has gone down to Bournemouth on yes. loan. Are you aware mm, of this? I am aware of that, From yeah. uh, Norwich. Yeah. And uh, he's just getting used to uh, that part of the world. And uh, he was talking uh, that he said, I'm, I've not had much of a chance to, uh, to look around as yet. He said, but it does look like uh, a lovely place, a lovely area. I haven't seen it in the summer. Mm. Everybody tells me it, it is absolutely beautiful. Um, he said, I had a little wander along the beach and got lost a couple of times. Well, normally, if the, it's a beach. <laughs> if the sea's on your right <laughs> or your left, you want to just be turning up, don't you? <laughs> OK, well, that doesn't bode well, does it? Not if really. If no, finds himself driving an Uber, that wouldn't be particularly good. Well, not it? on the beach. No, not on the beach, no. <laughs> uh, he says, um, yeah, I liked it. I had a little wander along the beach, but I won't be going into the water. He won't be going into well, the water. It's, uh, he said, worried about sharks. Yeah. He's got really? a fear of Bournemouth. Bournemouth? He's got a fear of sharks <laughs> in Bournemouth. Um, he said, I don't know why that is. Uh, or they can rip you apart. But they don't often. I mean, really, that's, that's the way you it is. You get a bad out. press, the shark. Well, although I don't think there's loads of people queuing up to stroke one. Well, no, that's, well, that's very true. Fair point, Not really. in the wild, certainly. <laughs> he said, um, and I'm not really a lover of... Um, he said, I'm not a lover of what's knowing what's below me, he says. Well... <laughs> As a Norwich player, it's never been much of a problem, has it? Because generally nobody is. <laughs> Possibly only if they've been deducted ten points um, or gone into administration. But of, in all seriousness, I think you'll be all right. Go and take mm. a dip in the sea uh, down in uh, in Bournemouth, Todd, and the chance of you coming across a shark are probably the same odds as you win in the Champions League for Bournemouth. <laughs> you never know. You never know. That's right, the exactly. money could come in. So there we are, Todd Campwell and he's in his new part of the world. Yeah, it's talking of Bournemouth. Mm. Uh, they feature in uh, my little thing here, Boss Watch. Do you remember Boss Watch? Boss Watch, yeah. on, It was the, the reports that were in Macclesfield the Macclesfield boss Dave Moss yeah, was, the, was, was the Nadir, wasn't Well, he's it? moved. The bloke who writes it, he's moved. He's joined the Mail on Sunday. I think he went in the transfer window. <laughs> well done to him. Tremendous. It's uh, Ipswich boss Kieran McKenna said, I think we shaded it. Uh, Bolton boss Ian Everett said it was a great advert. Wigan boss Liam Richardson said it was hard-fought victory. Uh, Portsmouth boss Danny Cowley said they were rewarded for bravery. Plymouth boss Stephen Schumacher braced his match winner. Shouldn't, he, shouldn't there be a few gaffer, manager, <laughs> well, I know. linchpin? This is the point. Northampton boss added, overall, it's a good point. <laughs> Cheltenham boss Michael Duff praised Watford loney Matty Pollock. Uh, crew boss David Could have been worse. I know, exactly. So these young Especially during boss give. watch. But I have got a bit of variation. At Warsaw Caretaker Boss. Oh, okay, yeah, that's just and then that's this is a lovely new variation, yeah. probably inspired by Ralph Rangnick, mm. uh, Colchester Interim Boss, oh. Wayne Brown. So there you go. Uh, Kieran Trippier, they were all singing a song to uh, Kieran uh, Trippier when he scored his free kick the other day. Mm. Trouble is, it, it's, um, it's Ryan Taylor's song. Uh, the former Newcastle player. I think he scored a, a free kick back in 2011. Is it Ryan Taylor over the wall? Yeah. And I think he's quite proud of it because on his Twitter. Uh, he's got all the boys in the tracksuits with that mm. on the back of it. Um, but it, it, yeah, Ryan Taylor was tweeting at the weekend. He said, loving the free kick by Kieran, but can you get your own song, please? But that <laughs> happens, isn't yeah. it? If you're a football fan and there's a song you like, then you have to repurpose it now. Oh, and a player course. moves on and you have to repurpose the oh, song. And come so, up. Yeah. so if you've got some great repurposed songs, that manage, you manage to kind of save that song. You think, well, we all used to love singing it. we just got to do it for a new player. Give us a few of those. 
us this afternoon. You've already been telling us about some of the romantically named tournaments and trophies you've played for because we told you about the Phoenix Open Golf earlier on. It's actually the Waste Management Phoenix Open Golf. And um, Guna Joss says, I regularly playing a social golf tournament called the Gusset Open. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, they've obviously <laughs> made it up. It has trophies, etc. Standard, quite low, but good fun. Trophy currently held by Stratford Tom, the Kiwi, he says. So yeah. there we are. The Gusset Open, very nice. Trophy presented by Gusset Poy, obviously. Yes. Um, in my Saturday league, playing days as a goalkeeper for Natchball FC, says Steve, uh, we were twice proud winners of the Les Leckie Trophy. <laughs> I believe uh, he was an ex-president of the Kent League. But if we lost, we'd be no lecky, no likey. Very good, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, let's not forget the magic that Declan tells us of a tournament his kids obviously play for, the magic of the Tony Murphy's Ice Cream Van Under-11 <laughs> Premier League. Yeah, what a great tournament. Fantastic. So if you've got some <laughs> romantically named tournaments or That's trophies, as well as those repurposed songs and who, who was the new recipient and the old one, talksport.com forward slash H&J, text to 81089, tweet to TSH&J, comedian, writer, Palace fan Kevin Day will be here as we take you around all nine of the Premier League games, all the main talking points from the weekend. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Friend of the show, Palace fan Kevin Day. Good afternoon, Kev. Good afternoon. Uh, I should point out, in Todd Cantwell's defence, they do have sharks in Bournemouth. They they have basking sharks. Not a lot of them, though. Not many not, of them. And, and not, not Amity Island. They're not, not get out of the water, <laughs> is it? They're not that dangerous when they're actually basking, but no. they, they are yeah. down it. John Barnes... So at the point they stop basking, you should be Yeah, yeah if you ever see a basking shark <laughs> pack in the basking, that's when you, that's when you get <laughs> out of the water. <laughs> John, John Barnes is absolutely terrified of sharks. Wow. To the extent he once told us he, he had to leave Oxford Street because there was a bus with a fiberglass shark on it. Really? And he was, he's that terrified of you. People should be terrified of sharks. Even, yeah, even but not fiberglass ones. It wouldn't yeah. extend to Could that. have fallen off the bus. How are we going to get through all nine games we spent? Yeah, yeah, fair point. Well, yeah, that's, well yeah, I tell you, we don't have to talk about Brentford Palace, do we? That's, <laughs> no, that's no, that one too there, and I'd like to say that it won't live in the memory. No. <laughs> no, what, right. Well, very, I have to say, those Palace fans moaning, as a lot of them were, it's it's because of the contrast to the way we've been playing for the rest of the season. In previous seasons, under previous managers, that would have been champagne football mm. on Saturday. <laughs> that, and the all-new away to Brentford, that would have been celebration Why time. Why didn't That's, he start Alicia? I couldn't get, I didn't get that. That's though. the big discussion point. He loves Jordan Ayew. He will play Jordan Ayew under every circumstance. The big discussion point with Palace fans in particular is we've got Mateta, who I've never seen anyone look less like a footballer. I, I, actually, <laughs> no, that's he, not he fair. He came on in front of him, he's, he's a big lad. Yeah, yeah, until he starts playing football, he looks mm. like a footballer. All right, yeah. But he, when the game kicks off, but he scores goals. Yeah. He's getting one goal out of two. AU's scored one goal in 48 games. So who do you play? Mm. The good player who can't score? Yeah. Or the one who's not? But Elise, I think he's trying to manage Elise because Elise's only 19. I was amazed he didn't start because he, he's been wonderful to watch. He's been a, a joy to yeah, watch. Yeah. But. And I, I thought, because he's, he's played really well against championship teams in the FA Cup, I, I thought that if he was going to rest Elise against anyone, it'd be against the big teams. Mm. And against teams like Norwich, where he did start, and against Brentford, that's maybe, maybe he didn't want it to start well, two games in a row. I was sitting there, because Chelsea got Palace next to Saturday, as you'll know, at three o'clock. And uh, I'm sitting there watching them going, I know they're going to play so much better against us than they are in this game. They're going to try much harder, they're yeah. going to play well, it's, better. It's not a question of trying harder. I think we will play better, because the game will be played at more pace. We tend to play well when the other team knock the ball about quickly as Chelsea will try and do so I think we've probably got more of a chance we, we're still there's still an element of liking to counter-attack 
with the Palace team. So mm. I, I expect us to put in a good show against Chelsea. Yeah, should we'll, we'll should have been two penalties in there. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, yeah and, yeah. and Zaha. Yeah, yeah, that did yeah, seem well, to be a couple. Well, do you think, do you think Wolf's a bit of a marked man? I saw Vera saying, I hope it's not the case that referees treat him harsher than anybody else. Of course but they do. I, they do. There's no, there's, he's got a bit of a reputation that he's having to live down. Some some referees, I know a couple of referees, uh, they, they, they do. Yeah. Of course they do. And they may, they may not even know it. But without a doubt, his reputation goes before him. And yeah. He does have to work harder to get a foul. The thing with, with Wilf is, certain managers have said about it, the way to referee Wilf, it's the first time he gets fouled, give the free kick, mm. and then he's fine. And then he'll think he's being protected and he's being... But he's, he's the most fouled player in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. And they give the free kicks outside the box, but they seem reluctant to give penalties against him. He, he's, he's, he doesn't go down. Mm. He's not, you know... We've we've had players in the past. You could you could say Andy Johnson maximised his falling opportunities without any doubt. There yeah. are players who do that. Wilf Wilf doesn't do it, but there are certain referees you know from from the start of the game. He, He's not going to get anything. It was quite. Uh, it was. Yeah. <coughs> it was. Uh, it, anyway, we'll move on. I think we'll we'll, we'll <coughs> crack on with some other uh, games. The um, Leicester West Ham game. Talking Stop. of penalties, a feeling that maybe Craig Dawson in that zone, the red. What constitutes a penalty? The red zone uh, and the green zone on the arm, where it's not a penalty. He was in between the two. It was the in f- the amber zone, wasn't it? It was. It, it was, was, the it was zone. in the amber With, zone. It was. Yeah. How was that a goal allowed? It was a yeah. handball. He knew it was handball. He was didn't it celebrate it, did it was, he? It was just it's above his elbow. I mean, it's a very I mean, big call at the end of a game like that, where Leicester it, really were the better side. And he, he, he pushed his arm towards it. I mean, mm. it's, whether that was deliberate or not, it was clearly handball. That, that, that had to be that had to be disallowed. I mean, it's, and it, it's frustrating because West Ham looked like they were going to take advantage of Leicester's current fragility. The first 15 minutes, I thought mm. West Ham were fantastic. They mm. played really well. They let Leicester back in the game, and Leicester were the, were the better team, without a doubt. They... Harvey Barnes in the second half. Poor old Sufo. It's always good to see a player have to go off because he's been given a real chase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Amazing. Henry Winter on, on the station earlier on on breakfast, I think, talking about mm. uh, Bowen for England, and you know, and he's making the point that Gareth normally picks on on form, but uh, if he was, then you'd be giving Bowen a chance in the England squad, yeah. wouldn't you? I, I've got well, I've got an issue with Bowen in that. He wouldn't come to Palace. <laughs> we, we tried to get him twice, um, and when we didn't get him, we did that thing. Well, that's all right. We don't. We don't need him. All he can do is cut in on the on the wrong foot off from the other side of the wing, and he'll get two or three goals a season. But oh. I can't. It, it's it's great to watch, mm. but I can't quite see where Gareth Southgate would put him. Yeah, that's to be perfectly honest. Yeah. So where would you, you you wouldn't lead the line with him. We've got better out and out wiggers. Four three three. You might play him in the front. Yeah, three. yeah you could, I mean, yeah. yeah and often you'll, you'll get someone in a squad to have a look at them you know, and see he, what they look gonna, like in that company. Ahead of Foden or something. Like that. That's no, the, I mean, yeah, the, the, the problem is, of course, West Ham fans want him in the squad, but they're all. Every Premier League club's got a player that's not quite good enough. Is 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 a brilliant. Premier League player, but we got more than one. Well, but on to that one. later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's have a look at Newcastle versus uh, Villa, and uh, that I mean, we may talk Newcastle a bit more detail later on. But I'm that, so bitter. I, I know, know you I, are. You're I, very bitter. I'm very bitter. I, I, I don't know why you bring that up now, Andy. Because, because he's bitter. Because because we, he know knows we know that, that we Newcastle know that, are going to get bigger and bigger. They're going to and they're going to compete with yeah, Chelsea. No. And he's he doesn't like it. I'm so annoyed that Trippier has gone to Newcastle. Really, and he's injured. I'm not happy about that. But I mean, I think Newcastle. Newcastle fans accept that the vast majority of us were enjoying the fact that they were in danger of relegation. Mm. Uh, and the vast majority of us are furious about them 
suddenly becoming super rich because it's them becoming super rich and not us. Yeah. The, reason we're, the reason we're on their moral high horse is because they're the ones that have been taken over. I can't see... Eddie Howe won't be the manager if they are competing against the likes of Chelsea mm. and Man City. No. Because he's not good and enough. And neither will Chris Wood be their centre-forward. You know. Unfortunately, Newcastle had a brilliant window. They, that's one of the secrets of staying up is to replace five players with better players than you've got. Mm. Yeah. And that's exactly what they've done. And Trippier... Trippier was a masterstar. I mean, that was a... Yeah, they, uh, they yeah, brought well. They brought really and he's well, brought up the level, as we said, of the players that were already there. They were playing well, I tell with you, the there freedom. was a great moment in that game where Dan Byrne grabbed a piece of... Uh, shirt was it? Was it Watkins or Mings? Mings. It was Mings's shirt. And he had the piece of shirt in his hand and the referee calls him over. Yeah. But before he goes, he just discreetly just leaves it behind the goal. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously he couldn't stand there denying it with a piece of shirt in I'll his hand. I'll come back for that later. There's actually yeah. a great shot of the celebration of the goal. With that Dan Burns is Trippy is not even in the shot yeah. he's so small compared to Dan Burns <laughs> <laughs> you can see Dan Burns looks like he's congratulating himself and then the camera pans down to find Trippy yeah. it wasn't a brilliant free kit it was a massive deflection yeah. but, but it was a good win for Newcastle it was a great and you, you three out of three you can't there's something about Eddie Howe I can't take to which I'm sure will upset him but that, <laughs> the offside goal which was so close if that had gone in well, yeah, you feel Villa might would have been a different I, game I, you know what I'd like about VAR which is nothing basically but it started to grow on me because we're getting as much fun out of wrong VAR decisions as we are out of wrong referee decisions <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got a theory it, what worries me if it takes longer than a minute give the goal it's yeah. as simple as that because yeah, what, what annoys me if you're a Villa fan and, and this is partly where the idea comes from because a mate of mine is you've got Villa start to get back into the game not only have they not scored but Newcastle have had three minutes to regroup yeah, yeah, and and to take mm. a breath and to get back into shape, so they lose both ways. Mm. It's a, it's, it's. And that time never gets add, added on in games. It, never, it never the gets added don't on. Add that no. on VAR, to that VAR time seems to be magic yeah. time. Exactly, because it, it draws attention. The fact that it's taken them too long. Yeah. They start adding nine well, minutes. It's like it's, it's like Doctor Who time. It's like yeah. so it, it exists <laughs> in a different parallel universe. Because it should the game should. There was yeah. a. It's a, it's a stat my podcast partner Kieran is obsessed with I think the latest Premier League figures are the ball was in play for 61 minutes yeah. per game last season which because Kieran's all about numbers and value for money really bothers him doesn't, yeah. it doesn't occur to me I know it's true it's, it's, it's worrying doesn't, stat, doesn't occur to me true. to think that the ball's not in play I'm not getting my money's worth I'm yeah. just chatting to my mate or shouting at the ref <laughs> you're still getting your money's worth or queuing for the bar I don't mind where the ball is when I'm talking to the Kieran, bar you ought to get the all well, we'll do that in oh, a minute right, okay. we'll come back to that we, yeah, that they, they are going they're going out on the road on the Price <laughs> of Football podcast Kevin will tell us more about that Kevin Day's with us we've got quite a few games to squeeze in so we'll crack on the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast Tottenham versus Wolves um, I, you know, I don't know what more to say, really. I've just seen that film so many times before. Kevin is a man with a bit of distance on it. I mean, yeah, two terrible mistakes, defensive mistakes, and then, then the game was effectively over. Goalkeeping mistakes, wouldn't they? It's, mm. But although then he played really well for the rest of the half. But yeah, but he's always I, had that in him. He's always had nonsensical decisions you, amongst all the great shot stopping. You lost to a good team. Oh, I, they are a good team, I, yeah. I think... Wolves probably had their worst game of the season against us at Sellers Park. So you kind of went totally off my radar. Mm. And so you keep looking at the table thinking, why are Wolves above us? That's not right. But they're actually... <laughs> well, they weren't great against Arsenal. Well, they're, but, but, no, mm. yes, but that's because they went behind. If, yeah. they, if they get in front, well, if, yeah, they're really, well, really... I mean, they defend brilliantly. That's their game plan. It's yeah. fair, it's, they, yeah. are, they, they are excellent. They, they very rarely score two goals as well but no. I, I thought Conte afterwards was fascinating because he was just in complete denial. Mm. It's just like, who? sorry, who were the better team? 
Yeah. You were 2 0 down after 15 minutes. He said, Yeah, they made a good start, but mm. after that, we played them off the pitch. We could have scored. I was like, No, you couldn't. I've just watched that. <laughs> he, like, he, he, he said after the game as well, he, he talked about the fans. Because obviously, there's a bit of unrest there. The second yeah, time in a week they've been uh, beaten when they were trying to push for top four. Now, in this moment, we have to be realistic and we have to be together. Also, our fans, our fans have to understand that maybe you need to be patient to wait to rebuild a game. Um, uh, to get the situation we had in the past. But I think most of our fans, yeah, I think they are highly sceptical that this ownership will step up and do the necessary rebuild, A, to get Tottenham back into a regular top four team and B, to keep him at the club. I think there is a fear. As we watch this, we see a very good manager not getting the tools ultimately. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. Maybe there'll be a complete change of philosophy by the ownership. they won't. This ownership are not going to change their philosophy. Well, that's and that's and our fear and their, yeah. ph- their, and philosoph- their expectation. But they their philosophy is <laughs> their philosophy is to, to keep Tottenham in the top half. Essentially, their philosophy is growing Tottenham as a brand and using the ground for NFL games and concerts and stuff like that. They they don't mm. want to spend the money and also their their wage structure is so complicated mm. that it's hard for them to attract the biggest players because they tend yeah. to. Paying bonuses and and add-ons rather than a, a proper big attractive wage. So yeah. Yeah, there are other clubs that big players will go to. The problem is Tottenham had the last three years. You've you've got a, a brilliant front three or front two and a half, mm. but the rest of the team has never been quite as good as the, the 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 people you've got up front. If you could get midfield players that was that were as good in midfield yeah. as as Son and Kane are up front, then you'd have a brilliant team. But you've always had a problem at fullback, right back especially, and but. Tottenham, Levy's never going to go out and splash the cash. And again, yeah. as, as, as you know, Newcastle now are, are new kids on the block because they will throw money about next season. Whatever they say about being responsible, mm. they will they will lure players to Newcastle that may have thought about going to yeah. Tottenham before, and they'll pay whatever it is when it comes to wages. Levy simply won't pay what he thinks is more than a going wage, and and Tottenham are being left behind a little bit in terms of attracting. The best players, well, I think. Yeah, I think that is a fear of many Tottenham fans. Burnley, Liverpool. Um, Burnley had a load of chances mm. and could. I mean, Vegas had a couple of very good chances and they could have got something from this game. But essentially, I suppose from Sean Dyche's point of view, it's a pretty decent performance to prove they can create even if they didn't put them away. And Liverpool's essentially a free hit. They're just, oh, their league, sorry, their their season's not based on beating Liverpool, is it? The, the problem is they've had three <clears throat> good points in a row. Mm. Well, that's. It's not enough. They've had three good performances on a row. But at the end of the season, when you're getting relegated, there isn't an asterisk to say, too good to go down. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. as simple as that. And the, the, the COVID, With hindsight, when the COVID thing happened over Christmas, what we should have just stopped football for two weeks. Because what happened were games that should have gone ahead didn't go ahead. Mm. And games that shouldn't have gone ahead did go ahead. Norwich played us with five players out for COVID. Arsenal got a game cancelled with one player. Now, I don't know whether Burnley's games were cancelled because they wanted them cancelled or because the other the opposition wanted them cancelled. One was weather, the top one was weather. There was a weather one yeah, as well. Yeah. But <clears throat> you want the point that people say they've got games in hand. They're going to have to be playing two, three games a week to yeah. catch those games in hand. The season's been but, skewed by the, all well, of this. Well, it has, but, it has without a doubt. But regardless of that, they've won one game. And there's no logic this is like a friend of mine says he's a lawyer he lo- he's got no joy in his soul but he's all logic <laughs> it's like when I worry about Palace he just comes out with the XG and you know <laughs> Brentford are 85% less likely than us to go you know mm. all that. I, but, and it's it's about Burnley they, they've won one game there's no logic to no. think they're suddenly going to win five of the games they've got they've got less no matter how well and the fact mm. is 
they will play. Well, we know, but teams know how they're going to play. And <clears> Liverpool, <throat> I thought yesterday, I thought Klopp was because there's no love lost between Klopp and Dice. Is the euphemism, isn't it? Yeah, they, they don't like each other. I thought Klopp very clever. Say so we we played the circumstances, we played the weather, we played the way they play football. That was a decent win for, for him. But and you're yeah. right, it, it is a free hit in a way. But it's it's another game with three points have gone yeah. by. Another another good performance by Southampton once they got going um, at the weekend. But it's an interesting piece by Neil Custis in the Sunday saying mm. that um, Ronaldo has become a bit of a divisive figure. There was you know great. Everybody was very excited when he came, but well, a, a lot of players, have been. a lot of players. He's a, he's a waning talent. You know, ages caught up with him. A lot of players are quite intimidated by him and are frightened not to pass to him when sometimes they're in better positions. Younger players. I, I think it's not just intimidated by him; they're in awe of him as well. <clears> yeah. Because regardless of his waning talent, mm. his reputation, deservedly, he's one of the best players in the world. And if he walks in the dressing room, who, who are you going to pay more attention to? Ronaldo or Ragnick, mm. who's not going to be manager at the end of this season? Yeah. Somebody comes in, and with, with the best one in the world, I was vaguely aware of him. I'm guessing most Man United players wouldn't be aware that this German genius was coming in, who he was. But Ronaldo... Oh, of course I'll listen to what yeah. Ronaldo says Ragnick's got no influence on their career you've got this play and you can see he talks a good fight on the pitch Ronaldo because he looks cross all the time he mm. looks like he's, he wants the ball he looks like he's angry so you think oh, he's, he's taking this to heart but he's, he's not He's not doing the work he's not putting the, the yards in he's not doing the defending clearly he wants to play and all Southampton fans on Saturday would have thought get to half time we'll, mm. we'll score in the second half we'll get a point at least because I, I watched United against Middlesbrough and they were fantastic mm. first half, mm. bearing in mind it's a championship it's team. Pattern in every second game. half, yeah. second half, yeah. they just, it's like deflating a balloon, but right early on as well, it's not, yeah. it can't be fitness. You can, well, I think it is, I think a lot of it is fitness. Really? Yeah, and I think if the one game they, they got <clears> three goals early, they, they that's their game plan, it's basically, <clears> can we score twice before the other team, team get going? Yeah. 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 Um, we, better, we better crack on because oh, okay. we've got a few games to get in. Everton leads... Much better by Everton, wasn't it? Um, uh, Van der Beek played well. As, as everybody was saying on match a day, a lot more intensity about the way they're playing. They look more at it than they had in the past. Well, he certainly didn't against Newcastle away, but Leeds are one of those teams that you'd probably choose to play in circumstances like that mm. because Leeds, you know exactly how they're going to play. You know they're going to keep coming at you. You know that if you get behind them, they'll concede goals. I think, I, I still don't think for Everton fans, Lampard's the right fit. Personally, he's mm. not one of their own. I think they would have rather had Rooney than they'd rather had Ferguson. Mm. I think they'll be quick to criticise Lampard, and I'm, I, it just seems like the wrong fit to me somehow. Mm. He's clearly going to be a good manager, and Everton are clearly they would have stayed up anyway. Whoever was manager, but I, I think there's a level of passion demanded at that club that Frank Lampard isn't capable mm. of visibly giving. If you see what I mean, it might be it might be that they need somebody, but yeah, Benitez was an emotionless figure yeah. and it didn't work for him I, I'm not entirely sure it will work for Lampard but yeah they played there's no doubt they deserve to beat Leeds yeah, uh, Leeds are one of those teams that you kind of you kind of know they can be beaten Leeds well, oh yeah it's a mystifying um, decision to take yeah. off Rafinha, but I love yeah. watching Richarlison. He's so moody, but when he's yeah. in the right mood, he's, he's terrific. Yeah. Well, well, let's have a quick look at Norwich, Norwich versus Manchester City. Um, I'm again, uh, and there was no expectation on Norwich getting anything from that. Um, but uh, Sterling was the story, wasn't he, really? A bloke who a couple of months ago looked like he's on his way out. Um, so, uh, Norwich, well. when Norwich played us at Sellers Park over Christmas, mm. bear in mind 
they were, they were a lot of players out, but they did that thing. It's like it's nothing worse than seeing a poor team try and play good football, mm. and they've they've improved. They have improved. They've improved since then, without a doubt. The first ten minutes, the commentators are saying, "This is great. Norwich are giving it a go." You think, "No, don't do that. <laughs> really, don't, don't do that." Because I mean, Everton was going <clears> to. <throat> yeah. It was probably the par result, but Norwich, they do look a better team. Mm. But oh, my, my guess is that it, it, they're looking at him getting them back up again. It looks like to me it looks yeah. like the bottom three started to get cut adrift. Yeah. Finally, we, we have to squeeze this one in. It's a Brighton win. I know you won't be happy with that. But it, there was you, you, had, you had skin in the game because of Roy, your former manager. Just we got about a minute left. Can tell, just tell I, us what you made of it. Well Roy's post match conference when he was he, he's, been, he's accused of being too negative. Mm. No, that, that just doesn't compute with Roy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that's not possible to be too negative. It was just Roy Hodgson will always be a legend at Palace. Roy Hodgson kept us up. Yeah. But he had 32 games to keep us up. Mm. I don't think he's got time. Roy's, Roy's methods take time. to you, know, you, you have to turn a probably recalcitrant bunch of footballers. Most of his stuff is done without the ball. Players don't like that. Yeah. It takes time to, to work on that formation, to work on it. His teams don't tend to score goals. It doesn't help if he criticises the, the attackers afterwards. Mm. The thing that people need to know about Roy is a brilliant football man. He's a very decent human being, but he's not happy-go-lucky. Right? <laughs> and he's and in, in press conferences, mm. he's not the sort of manager who say, mm. "I made a mistake. I picked the wrong players. I played the wrong tactics." It will always be somebody else's fault. Yeah, and I, I can't see that the combination of Roy Hodgson and Watford and time is going to be enough. No. I really, I really, can't. I could see him getting them back up yeah. if they do go down. I was shocked it wasn't one-one one with Brighton. Yeah, um, the Price of Football podcast that you and Kieran do yes. um, is going on the road. We are, yes, very quickly. I'm hosting mm. a, a benefit at the Comedy Store next Monday with John Richardson for literally, literally two tickets left if you want that. But Price of Football, we are going on the road. We're doing our first ever live show at Plough Lane on the 24th of March. Uh, we've nearly sold out, but there are a few tickets left, so... Doing a live show, we'll have guests. Kieran's dog is coming along to <laughs> draw focus as usual, and hopefully, if it goes well, we're gonna we'll do six or seven a year. Just town, it's ten pound a ticket, and we're covering the booking fees. And uh, where can people get the tickets? Uh, Eventbrite, I think it's okay, called, I believe, right. or you can just go to Kieran's tweet or the producer's guy's tweet, and you'll get the details. There, or you can get them through Wimbledon, but it should be fun. So I, I did. I hosted the first ever fundraising gig for AFC Wimbledon. Mm. Back in the day, uh, so it's kind of Lovely. feels like feels like a good place to go for a football finance podcast. Lovely, okay. and no need to come in next Monday if Palace <laughs> yeah. win. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you did once so after the beat. I'll see you next Monday. Lovely, <laughs> lovely to see you, Kevin. Thanks very Thank much. You. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, yes, we've dusted down some more of these clips of the week pewter. They're they're not gold. They are they're well, pewter. Some of them are. Uh, well, look, they're kind of randomly selected. <laughs> for, say, those dusty old mini discs <laughs> found in a corner when we moved uh, studios several years ago now. But uh, they're still paying out, and uh, they're kind of warts and all. They've not been mm. curated particularly, have they? No, but they're, they're good <clears throat> nostalgia as yes. well. And they're from 2009. Uh, May to sound like they're age 12. May June 2009. They're very boyish sounding Alan Brazil possibly coming up. But anyway, we'll begin uh, with Ian Danter with a, uh, a caller who seemed to be on fast forward. I speak to a Liverpool fan, Ahmed's in uh, Birmingham. Uh, hello, you're on Talk Sport. Hi there, mate. Yeah. Yeah, you're um, right. What, what you got for us? Yeah, I've just been to the West Bromley Liverpool game, my friend. I've just yeah. uh, seen him play. 
I told it's my first experience to the West Point game and I was really impressed with the West Point players and local players and they, they signed autograph for the players and the West Point players. Anyway, sorry, mate. Nice to meet Houting, by the way. I've been watching him following games and Doug Lee, Sunis and Hanson Lodge, Houting and all that. It's all the best to him. Honestly, my friend, I feel confident that we'll do trouble next year, you should God willing. I know this time my Rangers, my friend, but I've seen the side. Honestly, I've just seen him live for the first time. And I reckon they're, they're really close to Man United now. They're really close. There's other kids would like that. I know. Well, they, they're if Rupert can't do the racing commentary at Cheltenham, <laughs> he's the man. He'd be very good, Ahmed, wouldn't he, fans? <laughs> we can track him down. It's been, it's been about 13 years. Anyway, Andy, what's next? Here's Adrian Durham with a competition question. Which ex-Man United footballer appears in the new film Waiting for Eric? No idea. Okay. So looking for Eric. Looking for Eric. Was that, was that okay? I didn't quite get that. I didn't yeah. quite get what went That's on. right, because of the wrong... Oh, it's Eric. Film. Oh, sorry. It's Eric Cantona. I do apologise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're as bad as the bloke on the court. <laughs> I didn't get it either. See, we've not heard these. No. Um, so, well, well, yeah. Do we need to hear that again? I didn't yeah, let's hear it again. Yeah, Just forget the last couple of seconds. <laughs> anyway, there's Adrian Durham with a competition <laughs> question. Which ex-Man United footballer appears in the new film Waiting for Eric? No idea. Of course, is Eric Cantona. <laughs> what an idiot that caller was. <laughs> Over to Mike Parry and Andy Townsend now. Right, the, the question is this, true or false? Jennifer Aniston... Do you like Jennifer Aniston? Oh, I love Jennifer Aniston. I think she's one of the world's most beautiful women. I love that hair that she's got. I love what she did in uh, Cheers. Yeah, yeah, big fan. Love what she did in Cheers. Fantastic, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, this is Bobby Gould on yeah. the importance of preparation. Where did you stay? Was it a good hotel? Was the food been right? Uh, Newcastle flew down to Birmingham yesterday and all the preparation. It's the five S's, prop, you know, that go, P's that go, proper preparation, prevent, perform, poor performance, you know. Mm. She maybe prepared that a bit more, Bob, <laughs> I think. So, really? In hindsight. <laughs> Back to Andy Townsend and yeah. Mike Parry again. Ahead of Manchester United's Champions League final against Barcelona. What do you think his final message will be to those players? When that buzzer goes yep. tonight, all yep. of a sudden there'll be a roar from those, yep. come on, lads, then I, the boss normally comes in with one I last little he, line. He's reminded us of, of his roots all week. I think it'll be, boys, remember my roots. Do it for all those people from Govan. It's it's like uncanny. It's yeah. <laughs> Women call us. Thank you, Andy. It was a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Staying with Fergie, this is Alan Brazil. And any Rangers player will tell you the same as well, really. Born and bled in, born and bled, uh, and bled in Glasgow. Bled? <laughs> born and bled. Born and bled. Wow, that's... It's yeah. quite a rough town at times. Yes. Uh, anyway, what's next? It's late night presenter George Galloway taking a call. Here's Fred in Buxton. Go ahead, Fred. Hello, Millennium Taxis. Can I have your address, please? Hello, Millennium Taxis. Could you have my address, please? Is this... You, call, you want a taxi, yeah? No. Are you Fred in Buxton? Uh, you want to go to Buxton? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you see now. To me, that's a classic. That could be heard every year at Christmas. Yeah. It's brilliant. George felt so bad about that. He actually did go to Buxton in, in a Millennium Taxi. <laughs> he just, I, I won't let them down. Anyway, this is Stan Collymore throwing open the phone lines. Paul is a Sunderland fan in Wakefield. Good evening. Hi, son. How are you doing? Yeah, we've just got some breaking news for you. Ricky Sprager has uh, stepped down as Sunderland uh, manager. You've managed to stay up, but first, your reaction to that news? Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, that was what I was going to say. Oh, OK. <laughs> Thank you for calling. It's £100 worth of Wix vouchers. It's true. Um, is it me? It's you. Yes, it's back to Bobby Gould again, talking managers. Dave Whelan. At Wigan now, he's got a situation. If Steve Bruce goes to Sunderland, he's got to sit down and select the right man. How do you go about it? What the young gentleman that take took over at Barcelona? 
Where did he come from? Pepe Guala. I don't know where I went to Pepe Guala. <laughs> I always thought he might come to the Premier, <laughs> Premier League. Fantastic. Was it Pepe Koala? Yeah. Was it? it wasn't. Uh, it can't be. Anyway, he used Mike, to coach the Bears, of I course. I think he did, of course. <laughs> Mike Parry and Alan Brazil now on breakfast talking air travel. Now, the point is... Well, just don't have your usual three bottles of wine on the plane. You don't need to go to the loo, do you? Al, it's not quite as simple as that. For instance, suppose the guy next to you, because remember these planes go to foreign climbs, has got a dicky tummy because he's been, you know, he's got the old mozzarella's uh, curse. (laughs) What, from eating too much buffalo cheese? (laughs) Mozzarella's curse. (laughs) Next, Andy. It's Danny Kelly on kickoff. Thank you very much for the last three hours to Ian and Adrian. But now you're very welcome to and are listening to kick off right here on Talk Sport. I'm joining me in the studio. Okay, just a solo <laughs> effort then. <laughs> the guest hasn't turned up, he's just talking it up. And finally, it's Andy Townsend with a question for Mike Parry. Now, what is Burnley really famous for, Michael? Uh, Eccles cakes. <laughs> well, and on that bombshell yeah, so there we are some yeah. clips of the week pewter from mm. uh, May June 2009 we'll try and dust off a few more for you at the same time next week you have been telling us off the back of the Waste Management Phoenix Open mm. the magic of about some of the interesting tournaments and trophies you've played for Craig's been in touch he said our pub team the Eagle Vaults has the Cumberland Award the trophy is shaped as a sausage this is given for the most random ridiculous moment of the season generally contested by the same two players each season says yeah Craig is the manager of the yeah. team so beautiful the Cumberland Award thank you Craig it's good uh, should I finish that and talking of food should I finish that review now you were telling us maybe we should set the scene last week you were telling us about uh, you do love the kind of uh, local newspaper yeah. restaurant uh, cri- critic uh, well, pieces, when, it, when it's you? not a critique it's always just a sort of puff piece puff I like piece, it when yeah. it's like proper you know restaurant writers you know write both ways yeah. you know they don't just sort of say everything's marvellous but uh, this was one you gave us the starters last week you yeah, spared the, the writer Barata I know I never named the people so Okay, let's get into... You want to get us into the main course, Andy? Yes, uh, she says, still dreaming of the combination of sweet squash and milky cheese. (laughs) This was the first course. I make a mental note to personally hunt down its creator. Oh, wow, okay. Sounds a bit stalkerish, doesn't it? I'm treated to the arrival of my main. When I go to Italian restaurants, I like to try something new, something a bit different. You know, maybe something I wouldn't make at home. Yet at Franco's, I decided to order order a lasagna. <laughs> oh, OK, fair enough. Yeah. You've really stuck your neck out there, haven't you? In a hot ceramic dish, it's topped with a layer of bubbling golden cheese revealing layers of silky pasta sheets. Yeah, it's a lasagna. <laughs> what was you expecting? Yeah, exactly. Each mouthful is totally divine. Wow. I soon find myself shamelessly scraping crispy cheese and rich beef from the edges of the what dish. The fingernails. Eating... <laughs> <laughs> in a restaurant, <laughs> whicking it off with a fingernail. And Loads then... <laughs> of burnt cheese under your fingernails. It's not good, is Never it? a good look. And then dessert. Oh, this delicious dessert. Oh, OK. Without a second... So normally, Andy, in these, we, we barely had room for dessert, <laughs> yeah, but Luigi came over <laughs> and, we could, and we, yeah, we could not resist. That's what they normally do, but in this case, they've gone straight in. <laughs> Yes, without second mm. thought, mm. I'd ordered tiramisu and it didn't disappoint. Of course yeah. it didn't. The huge portion has distinct layers, you know, a bit of layers, yeah. with soft sponge providing a bite under the rich cream and yummy chocolate. 
Again, I ate happily every bite in a flash. So she had the burrata cheese, yeah. the cheesy lasagna, and then this thing with bit cream. Rich, isn't it? Oh, she'll be, rich, she'll be really, struggling to get a rennie. Well, there you go. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, beautiful. Sounds like a lovely Tremendous meal. Tremendous news. Fantastic for telling us that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Um, news today that there's been pretty steep decline in people regularly uh, involved in the sport of pigeon racing. Uh, it, in other parts of the world, apparently, it's thriving. Well, there's a lot of reasons, some more obvious than others. Um, I think everybody's putting their theories forward. So we're going to do it now in the company of a man who wrote an excellent book on it. Was I mean, it, it was rooted in mm. in uh, in the world of uh, homing pigeons, but it was a lot more than that. I do recommend it. It's called uh, Homing on Pigeons, Dwellings, and Why We Return. The man we always turn to on this subject, uh, John Day, joins us. Good afternoon, John. Hi there, nice to be back with you again. Yeah, good to talk to you. Um, I suppose, look, there is one obvious reason. It's just, you know, so many of these people that were involved in the sport were of a certain age and not all of them were able to pass on the love of it to maybe their offspring. And we, we have seen so many people in, involved in the sport maybe <laughs> dying out, sadly. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as you say, the sport's been sadly on the decline for a while now. It was, uh, for a time, in the post-war years in Britain, the most popular sport by participation, I think, um, in the country. So it's had a, a pretty precipitous decline since then. And, and partly, I think it's, uh, it's 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 hard to get into if you don't know someone who already races. So it's a kind of, um, it's a, you know, slightly mysterious sport for a lot of people. And it was for me before I got involved. And that's that's partly it. So as people age, as people leave the sport or indeed sadly die, um, that kind of knowledge has lost that 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 um, that know-how, that nous that um, is really difficult to to sort of recreate. But I would say it's a very welcoming community, and if any of your listeners are keen to um, to get aloft and, and and start racing, then I'm sure they'd be welcomed by their local clubs. Some of the other theories I've I've, I've heard about why it's happened has been the decline in obviously independent pubs because it would be pub clubs that were set up around pigeon racing and people would go there and they maybe get involved and get the bug from. I mean, I seem to remember from your book, the pub was quite key to that, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. It's such a local sport and not just pubs, but, you know, working men's clubs, all these old institutions that are sadly on the way out for various reasons. And of course, in the original, you know, 100 years ago, before the time of um, electronic timing and, and, and clocking and so on, you'd literally physically take your pigeon when it returned to a race to the club to get it marked up to decide who's won a race. So being part of a community, being living near the place in which that happened was, was really crucial. And the decline of spaces, you know, the gentrification of pubs that has meant that some pubs that perhaps used to host you know, marking up, marking nights and timings in are now unwilling to have a bunch of very well-behaved pigeon men in the back garden or whatever um, is, a, is a really sad thing. So it's yeah, tied in with the decline of, of the, the institutions of the sport as well as the people themselves. It always has good royal approval, didn't it? The Queen had her own loft, I believe. She still does, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure it's particularly successful, but I believe that there is a, um, a racing loft at, um, at Sandringham or maybe Hulk, I can't remember where it is. But yeah, um, yeah. She does, right? I'm not sure she's as interested in it as uh, as her father. And I think the birds in her loft were, were given to maybe her grandfather by the King of Belgium, sort of hundred years ago. So they're all they're all descendants of that. But she's more into the horses, isn't she? One one of the other theories put forward is because the better protection of birds of prey means in there that mean there are more around. And uh, obviously that's had a bearing on on the on the racing pigeons as well. Is that is that a fair point? 
I'm not sure whether I accept that. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk, and I think if you only got a few birds, you know, racing, and one or two get taken by birds of prey, which inevitably does happen, mm. you're, 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 you might be minded to think, oh gosh, it's because there's so many more, you know, um, protected raptors around nowadays that my birds are getting hit. But um, I think it's also just to do with the sheer numbers. You know, if you think about if you were racing in the 50s and 60s, it wasn't unheard of to send tens of thousands of birds to a local race, and now you might be getting a tenth of that. And, and inevitably, if, if a bird of prey hits a, a, a flock of pigeons like that, some one might get taken, but a lot of the others might just fly off in a panic and, and, and not come home for a few days and get lost. And so people have this sense that perhaps there's more birds of prey. But I think it's more to do with just the decline of numbers of people in the sport, um, that that feeling persists, that you know a small proportion of a smaller number feels like a larger proportion. And Brexit's playing its part, we understand as well. I mean, people have yeah. been, not been able to get the birds over at different parts of the country for, for competitions, for different parts of Europe, should I say. Yeah, that's right. That's been a, a, a real headache for people who race on the South Road. I, I, I race in a club that races from the North, so that hasn't affected me or people in my club. But lots of people racing from the continent, getting the birds over has been really pro- problematic. I think there's plans to um, to ameliorate that. But, you know, the sport's been through crisis, crises before. When, in 1976, um, National Rail stopped running um, pigeon wagons. They used to run on the railways where you would take your birds to the local train station for training and they'd be taken on the train. And that was that was sort of seen as the end of the sport um, um, by a lot of pigeon men. And, 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 and fortunately, the sport survived that. So I'm sure, you know, all of these, all of these, um, these, these, these things that are hitting it will will come through but um it requires you know support from community at large and from for more people to get involved because it is as i say a fascinating and welcoming and wonderful world to be involved with you don't want to put them on a train they'll never get home not, not with our trains. <laughs> no, not with our trains. To change four times. You need a sort of TikTok influencer to suddenly... We need, I don't know, or we need someone like Bieber to get involved in pigeons. Yeah, don't we? We just suddenly need to find, get well, his own you know, loft. We've, we've got Mike Tyson, but I suppose, yeah, yeah um, he might be the only... Um, yeah, to link boxing with pigeons. Um, but, we, yeah, we, we might need some younger blood um, to get involved. Well, good to talk to you as always, John. Thanks very much for joining us. You too. Thanks for having me. Here we are, John Day. There, the author of the book Homing, which is a fine read, very yeah. good. And it's not. I say it's, it's about more than pigeons. It's a great read, actually. I do recommend it. So it's uh, Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on Talks. But why don't you take it up, Andy, in your dotage? <laughs> pigeons. I, I imagine you. I mean, you don't I haven't like... got a loft. I don't like pigeons. Pigeons. <laughs> and I wouldn't like to have, do the pooper scooping. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Still, it's not um, a, yeah. and, well, that didn't. Last long, did it? That particular idea. I don't like pigeons. I think you had us at really. <laughs> Not really. That was always going to be a deal breaker. Have, have you noticed? Have you noticed that the, the programs like the Masked Singer, oh, programs yeah. like uh, Dancing on Ice, if if the person who wins isn't what people want on social media, they it's the first instinct to say it's a fix. Oh, okay. It's never a fix, is it? It's never going to be a fix. I mean, it's in here. Uh, fans were baffled that Happy Monday Stars Bez was saved despite a serious blunder. This is a fix, they said. <laughs> Bez should have gone. It's not really a fix, is it? What I mean, of all the, the things to fix, it's. Yeah. I wouldn't get too upset Mars, about it. Really. Yeah, that was a fix as well, apparently. Or was it? Okay. okay. Brunier one. Well, here we are. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. <laughs> it's the best one. Lost on the beach, though. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow. Charlie Baker will be alongside me from one. Andy will be back on Wednesday. If you can join us on one, great. If not, the podcast available around four o'clock. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.